I get it. But all right. Yeah. All right. We good. All right. Sorry about that. So. Um, so you lost my train of thought. Yeah. yeah. So you were you we were you saying that you were talking about the juvenile um, the law um, between the ages of fifteen and seventeen they changed the laws from then that's what we're seeing today um, and you're saying and I do remember the conversations about uh, those things happening during that time period. So but you're saying that that caused the end of the, end of the civil rights movement. Like how is that? Yeah. And most of them are basically obsolete. That's a fact. That's a fact. The Crips are brothers are relevant. That's a fact. And that's why we're here today. And so, and I'm glad you, you, you brought that up. So, like, because you were uh, a part of the early movement um, early on when it was founding. And uh, I want to know, was it intended, when you, when you first started, were you guys trying to protect yourselves in a neighborhood? Uh, was that the initial intent? What was the initial energy when when it first started early on, when you were first coming up, 14, 15, uh, with, with Tuki and all them, and you were trying to get that going? What, what was the initial intent? What were you guys trying to do? Well, let me start this off by saying, usually what I'm speaking, when I speak, I speak for myself. Okay. For my experience and my thoughts, so we don't get it mixed up with a lot of other people. So I speak for myself. Okay. It was a back and forth type thing. It was a back and forth. Gotcha. We had a criminal element to when we were going over there uh, to cause a problem. So, uh, uh, whereas they were pro-black, I'm going to say we were anti-criminal because actually in our era, we didn't have no color line as far as uh, committing crimes. Mm -hmm. If we in Beverly Hills and you happen to be white, Los Angeles and we happen to cross path, you don't get it. And so it was universal with us. We were uh, a criminal element within the community. So I'm listening to what you're saying uh, and, and what you're saying now when you pass interviews. How do you go uh, from the transition from where from where you were back then to where you are now? Because what I hear now is uh, a much more um, like, like you seem a lot more uh, develop like you know what you're talking about you know what i'm saying you seem like somebody who's trying to move the community in a positive light you're moving it in a positive energy um what what causes you to do that transition what is it that makes you say like yo i need to start doing this and just start moving in a better better direction Trying to 
not emulate, but it's a culture where it's a fad and it's a fashionable. Uh, I just think I, and if I'm able uh, to do what I can to get back to the people to where I, I feel that uh, I did something that was uh, made me proud and make everybody else proud. You feel like you're doing that these days? You feel like the work you're doing today is the work that you that you wanted to do as far as you set out? Like, you feel like you're meeting your goal? Uh, yes, I've been in this, uh, I'm not new, I've been a civil rights leader for 23 years, which a lot of people sleep on about the cases that I have led uh, from the uh, uh, indictment of Sheriff Lee Baca uh, when he got indicted in California for letting the Mexican Mafia kill black inmates, but people forgot me and Christopher Darden held a press conference that asked for the inquiry where we went to the uh, Wayside County Jail, took in a nurse, Dr. Rosie Milligan, uh, the Nation of Islam, Tony Mohammed came, uh, and they sent it in. We went and checked the 834 prisoners, black men, all of them, that had been injured where Baca was given weapons back to kill blacks. And then nine, 10 years later, he get indicted for it. So, but these are the type of things overlooked. We had uh, Margaret Laverne Mitchell, the homeless lady that was killed over shopping cart on 4th and La Brea when I was with the National Alliance of Positive Action. Uh, Prince Jones in Washington, D.C. that was killed by in Four Corner Manassas, the Howard University president. And what's, what's the work you're doing for them during this? Like, what, what is it? Uh, well, well, I bring awareness to them where nobody knew it. Nobody cared about Margaret Laverne Mitchell until uh, we brought it up and protested and created the Margaret Laverne Mitchell. Taisha Miller, uh, Cherise Iverson, I work with Amadou Diallo, the Chicago 10. I don't think, I think my body of work match up with anybody you see on anybody in the nation when it comes to civil rights. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I, sound, I, I wouldn't doubt it for a minute. You talk, let's talk about your book, uh, The New Slave Ship, Three Strikes Law. Interesting, and you tell the story of how the police frame, framed you. Can you talk about that here? Tell us about it. After the riot, see, people have to understand that these types of things happen uh, when the alphabet, they ain't got these federal government agencies, ATF, DEA, and all these alphabet agencies to where they're not actually doing what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. It's just real. And so anyway, after the riots, uh, the first time I was in jail when the Rodney King riots happened, but as everybody know, uh, Gangster Crips uh, were the LA-4 and started it over there with the uh, uh, hitting of Reginald Denny and assault of Reginald Denny. Okay. So after that, they uh, put everybody, uh, other people uh, from our community influence under surveillance, and I was one of them. They came and arrested us all, us and some Hoovers, Big Bam, uh, 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 and some more of us from Hoover and Gangster. Now, because where, where, uh, where were you at the time when, when they came to get you? Okay. I had that, and then when the riots happened, I was in custody during the violation. And then when I got out, uh, they came and got me four guns uh, being stolen. And then this is where the uh, framing come in. When the three strikes law come out, uh, they used me as a poster child for the reason why it's uh, needed in the state of California. Uh, they did a warrantless search just as you hear today, a warrantless search is very important because usually you end up getting killed when you're in your house with an expectation of privacy and doesn't nobody make a no-knock notice to where uh, you don't jump up. And explain for people that don't know what that is, uh, when you say no-knock notice, warrantless search, uh, for people that don't understand their rights, explain that to them. Mm -hmm. because they didn't have a warrant and they say they seen the blood and thought
thought that could lead to something that could happen over that fence. Yeah. So when you don't have a warrant, uh, once you cross over into your domain, your property, you have something that's called a right to the expectation of privacy. And there's only three ways for law enforcement uh, to come in there unannounced. And what unannounced means is when you get to that door, you have to say police first, then kick. Okay. You cannot kick first, then say police. You kick first. You didn't announce. When you say police, boom. And that could make the difference between you being set free from a life sentence as I had in that book to where I'm talking to you. Because they said that in reverse order, uh, that caused me to uh, be free. And and how long were you incarcerated before you were able to... Because I imagine you're... You're trying to do this all in the law library, right? Because like, is, is your attorney helping you with this, or are you doing it by yourself and trying to figure out your case after you get locked up? Well, you're looking at your case, but at that level, the first level of a life sentence, uh, you will have a co-counsel where you have an appellate attorney. And But usually at this level, you don't get no relief because they just run it like they grade in USDA meat and stamp it and take it to the federal level where now... You have to represent yourself against the government, and those are enormous odds uh, to overcome. And more so, you said like when they when they locked, when they got you, they they tried it. They hit you with the felonies and from things you did in the seventies, right? These weren't even things that were recent. So like, how is it that like? Because when you said it, I'm like, how are you able to go back to something that did up ten years ago that I already dealt with the law? You know, I was tried. I did my time, we figured all that out, and now they're able to bring it back in a law that didn't exist. What was the justification they used to do that during that time period? Uh, well, actually, the governor uh, signed it as an emergency merger, where he just signed overnight an emergency merger to where the three strikes need to be implemented retroactively. Mm. So when he signed that March 7th, that made it to where everything I just did in the 70s when we were youth, plea bargain all the way up to then, then now those went from where you would have had enhancements of maybe one to three years max yeah. for a non-violent case, say for instance I got caught stealing, until that date you could use my priors and I can get one to three years added on. Yeah. If I did a violent offense because of those priors, I could get up to five years each prior. So in actuality, you already have a habitual criminal law and statute in place. So if you have those priors already, if you commit a serious violent felony, they already have it. Actually, this law goes backwards and made it if you had priors when you create a non-violent offense, it turns a violent into a violent That's offense where you get 25 years to life. Which is crazy to me because that means you're walking into the situation like, you know, you're not even expecting all that, you know what I mean? So you you coming in at the gate like, yo, hold up, y'all, y'all changed life. What are you talking about? But like, more importantly, uh, nobody's ever had a law in America that adversely affects you. They go backwards. Show you case in point. Uh, when they made the federal three strikes law, yeah, and that was made by uh, uh, who endorsed that? Uh, doing that deal. Clinton. Am I correct? Yeah. Now, he endorsed the California Three Strikes Law with Paulie Claus and Mike Reynolds that wrote the law. Yeah. Actually, Mike Reynolds wrote it. Yeah. So, he endorsed the law that was retroactive. Now, why wouldn't he make his federal law? Why he didn't make that one retroactive? Yeah. Because he learned from this that that was wrong. When Clinton says he created two million of a net, he's not talking about the federal guidelines because they got more prisoners in jail up under the three strikes law in America than the whole federal prison population. And that's where the relief is needed at, at the state level. And, and that's why local and state have to change this and federal level it needs to be not only amended but abolished. There's never been a law that's retroactively applied that adversely affects you for this law here. 
what are some of the things we can do at this level uh, to get some of those state laws changed? Like, how do you, if somebody's watching this right now and they're like, yo, this is really messed up, what's some of the things that they can do right now to, to help make that happen? But tell us about the initiative, though. What's 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 that about? Like, what is uh, our initiative is to make the three strikes, uh, 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 where it's ex post facto start from that day, and you cannot uh, use uh, the prior offenses and let it start from that day forward, and to uh, amend the law to where the uh, has to be uh, violent and serious felony offenses, and that it's not retroactive, and that it's. Uh, uh, grandfathered in to where their strikes are going back and exonerated and that they be resentenced and uh, uh, returned to so society. So the three strikes law is still in effect in Cali right now? You still have men. I got a friend that's been in there 24 years now. This 1920, 1994, 6. He's been in about 24 years now for two uh, ounces of cocaine. And they won't let him go when they folks they had amended it to where uh, all nonviolent cases uh, were released. But that's not how it go when you have men who they've been sliding through the loop in the 70s that had, like me, and these type of guys I grew up that had. What are some of the things they're telling you that's, that's, that's for two ounces of coke, 20 years, what, what's the government telling this person that's preventing them from coming out of jail? Oh, okay. We'll make it. So when the first three strikes come out, the majority of men only got one chance to get arrested. Yeah. Nonviolent, like me, I got thirty-five years to life for less than two dollars worth of drugs. Gotcha, gotcha. They targeted people that are already were already on the line. So when it made it backwards, we're not on trial for the case. We were yeah. on trial for a pass, and that's what got us the life sentence. Wow. Wow. So we have an initiative, uh, the California Three Strikes Law, uh, written by Erlon Wood, a former three-striker that did over 20-some years for a nonviolent offense. And he's just been released. And he's written uh, the initiative. And all we need is uh, for those to come in and support us. And we're ready to take it uh, uh, to the streets. What kind of support are you looking for? We have to have voter registration. We can write it through uh, 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 legislation. Or we can go and have an initiative ballot and get gather garner signatures. And, uh, and this, is, uh, this is people in Cali or all over the country? Well, California is the only one remarkably out of 33 states, 33 states, to whereas uh, theirs are is retroactive. Okay. Their law is the only one that go retroactive, and that creates a targeted group of men to where California has more men and women in jail than all the other 32 states combined. Mm. Because we're the only one to where it's retroactive. The judge didn't have no discretion. Any conviction gets you 25 years. And it was very lopsided. And people thought it was starting from that day when, in fact, they voted on a law to where something we did in the past made it where right now I get a life sentence. If I catch another case every day, I die. That's not fair. Not at all. Not at all. What are, you know? And 
when you hear people talk about criminal justice, like this is something like I didn't I didn't even know California still had three strikes law. I'll be honest with you, I thought like because it's something that I heard about in the nineties. In New York, we didn't really it was it was really brief. Um, uh, you had another one, but it was during that era. It was the Rockefeller. Okay, Just talk about that. If you, well, I'm not from here, but I, it's the same effects. It depends on what they look at as a, 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 a nuisance in that community when gentrification time comes around. Yeah. yeah, during that era, it was drugs. Now it's senseless gun violence. Lock them up, throw away the key, and that's how they get out. So back then they did have it, but that's what it was based on. Just the idea of, you know, somebody. Years with no parole up under Rockefeller. Same thing now. They just modernized it, and now they use it for a political father, father to wear garments. Yeah, it is the idea of somebody spending, uh, doing something early on in their life, whether it be three or four things, and then having to spend life in prison is just. It's just crazy how uh, society doesn't doesn't see that for folks. Um, you know, there's a couple of things you talked about here. Uh, when we talk about your book, the new slave ship, um, and just it, talking about the three strikes law, what was it when you when you made the book? Were you trying to and definitely, obviously, you were trying to get your story out. Talk about the book making process. Like, what what brought you to that? And you say, yo, I'm going to write a book. And you know, who'd you reach out to? Was it something that you did on your own? Something you got help with? Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, I had to wait 90 days to make sure the state doesn't appeal that. And when I finally called me to release, they said, whatever you do, uh, come back and get it about this law. Because these men were built to do time. Uh, they had priors like me. They're older in age. And a lot of them were in for nonviolent offense, one for stealing the shirt. Another one uh, 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 where they took residue out of his uh, drug pipe and these sort of natures. So with my word being on the line, one night I was riding with uh, uh, my friend who was still stuck there, and I just told her, you know, uh, you got a uh, computer? Because I know how to type. And she said, yeah, I feel like I, I can write a book right now. And she took me. About at 11 o'clock, and when the sun came up, I had uh, wrote the new slave ship. You wrote it all in one night? I did it in six hours. Wow. On top of my head, and it was more than that. And they edited it because I wanted the children to be able in the school districts and stuff back in 97 where to hold their attention, uh, where they really get an understanding and it could help them stay up and out of those type of books in the future. Well, thank you for the contribution. Um, I'm going to definitely check out your book. Uh, I just found out about it and Google and research, so I'm going to pick it up and read it. Uh, what, what made you go with the title New Slave Ship? What is the difference between inmate and convict for those that don't know? What the police say, we do what we want. It's bad enough you got us here. And when I say we do what we want, uh, in the early years of us going in there, because once again, 
You had pro-black, which was the Black Panthers. Now we in prison, the Mexican Mafia and Brotherhood. And this go to a clear example of pro-black against anti-black. When we started going to prison at 18 and 19, can you imagine George Jackson, Fleety Drongo, uh, uh, and all these brothers, and you coming in, uh, where you ain't coming in for killing a black? Mm. That's politics. Yeah. They got a problem with it, and we got a problem with it. And that's when those type of feuds uh, occurred in battles. So uh, uh, that's what occurred in those type of things uh, uh, in the prison system. And, and and saying that's the when you say the, the new slave shit, and you talk about that, it's interesting that you say that, um, because the idea if you're going to jail with these civil rights leaders, yeah, like they would be upset you're out there killing blacks. But like at the end of the day, everybody everybody has their situation, so it's not like dudes is out here like doing it like everybody else is doing it. But I, I understand what you're saying. No, no, but it's still now that's what separated because we ain't talking we talking civil rights. Yeah. Yeah. And when you fear and impartial, that's why I say friend, family, foe, or those that are here to serve and protect us. Those are all community influencers. Gangs, polices, community, firemen, everybody has influence in the community and a role to play. Why, correct? I believe, yeah. Yeah. So now, you can't, me, I don't just go and cover one area. Anything that I think I can make a difference with a community influencer, then I'm going to try to do it, whether it be by streets. And I, I don't label it. I just look at it as whether whatever is occurring, is it fair? That's the only way to judge it. Take the labels off. Is it fair? And that's my guess. You think this country is ever going to be fair, though? I mean, no. is the, the, the nation. The nation, is, the nation, like, from the beginning of it is always... Uh, uh, when you say fair, the nation being fair, what do you mean as far as what? In the criminal justice system? Yeah, for sure. Me, do you think uh, the criminal justice system or me surviving to stay alive? Which one are you talking about? So I know when you're talking about America violating my rights. So we can I, cover that. America has both. I mean, yeah, I think the, the fact that you were able to, to survive is a blessing, you know, that you're able to get through all that and be here to be able to sit with us today. But even the idea that you had to go through all that, you know, if your skin color was a different shade, I would imagine some of your crimes would have been looked at differently. You know what I mean? So even, and that's something that we've been going through for generations, not even what, my generation. Let's talk about that. Now, what you got to say about that? Because when I get shot at, do you have you had a Uzi pulled on you in the last year? I have. Have you been shot at 10, 12 times? I have. And it wasn't by the police. Mm. It was by every race has tried to kill me. So I don't have no special way of getting killed to where I only complain for the police. All of them is a threat. Mm. If I can eliminate that problem and get to you, I'm going to eliminate it. Mm. It's just how you're going to eliminate it. So I know the police will kill me. And I know every race has an organization that will kill me. For sure. For so sure. There is no difference when you ask me about America when everybody got a gun in my back, if you're talking about the streets. So I address all those. And a lot of times you're seeing that in politics, where everybody ain't covering everything, ain't praying the same breast. They only hit one subject. Mm. They ain't covering them all. And that's one of the problems in America when this election come around. You can't call somebody else's backyard dirty and your damn house dirtier than theirs. And those are facts. You can kill both problems at once if you can create a dialogue. You think there's, you think there's a... Uh, there's a possibility in the future that we're going to be able to create a dialogue. Do you see that happening? It's been created. In, Cal in Los Angeles, crime has went down since 2015, which was the 100 days, 100 nights, which was one of the worst despicable displays of misuse and a 
abuse of a person's life I ever seen in my 48 years of witnessing this. What's the background with 100 Days, 100 Nights? It's when uh, another gang targeted my group and other community influence that are allies with us and said they're going to kill uh, members of these uh, other organizations once a day for 100 days and 100 nights. And it basically seemed like that the way the bodies were falling. Mm. And the dialogue that came from um, that came after that, you see that as being positive change. That you've seen that even with today, the conversations had during that time period have had lasting change. That these things are really making th differences. Yeah, but a lot of times when you control the propaganda and you're going back to politics, the general public don't know because this ain't gonna be something that's gonna be publicized because this is something that's worked out from the grassroots level. Uh, when the camera's not around and the boots got to be to the ground. So you would never see this, but the community recognizes it. But the politicians and those that are have a platform uh, sit up there and take credit instead of giving uh, a little bit more to those that are actually uh, really making it happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think the group and the organizations I've been with, along with, uh, those that work in getting paid for it and doing it as a, a intervention and prevention program. We all from the same community, but uh, I don't get paid for my contributions uh, because uh, we're being ostracized. So my voice is being silenced a lot of times when it comes to these type of issues. Well, we're definitely here to amplify your voice. It's not getting silenced here. And you said you were do you've been doing it for 23 years. And you're 23 years in the community, you've seen a lot, experienced a lot. Are we getting better? Is, are things, you know, from when the day you started, you say you came out on this journey and where you are now, if you're looking back on it and you're looking at us for the future, are things getting better? Should, should we keep this work going forward? Have you seen great progress in those 23 years, 24 years? responsibility as a cold black coalition member uh, that me and uh, Pat Robinson, a Hot 97 co-chair, uh, is the Think Twice Coalition. Uh, that's where we try to get uh, uh, whatever subject we own, say for instance, uh, police uh, reform. Uh, one of my areas and her areas of concern is uh, qualified immunity. Mm -hmm. uh, we feel that uh, if qualified immunity is addressed... And explain qualified immunity for people that don't qualified know. Qualified immunity occurs when law enforcement uh, buckle up to go to work for their shift. And once they get there, the standard of proof changes to where you have to show that there was intent, say, for instance, in the George Floyd murder, uh, uh, the Taisha Miller uh, murder, the Amadou Diallo murder, the Prince Jones the Taisha Miller, the Natasha Hardin. Uh, when you're dealing with the federal government, you have to show intent. Whereas on a state level, local level, uh, the same act, that's why I say take away the titles, and the same act that a man that got on blue cough, he has the standard of proof that is, you cannot reach that handle to prove it because you cannot prove intent. To whereas when we do the same act, and take us somebody's life. It's a burden of proof or a preponderance of evidence that could get us sentenced. So uh, with this committee, we feel that uh, we need to be able to disqualify qualified immunity to where uh, it doesn't give them the opportunity to kill uh, men, women, and children with impunity. And, and in that conversation, uh, when they talk about defunding the police department, what are your thoughts on that? So you're saying the conversation is pointless? No, it's not pointless to bring awareness that just might not be uh, uh, the right way, the only way. I would say.
suggest also, and uh, for us, for me, mm. anything helps. So I'm not going to say that's not a help. It does. Yeah. But for me, if I'm going to take some funds, also part of this uh, thing that me and Miss Robinson and Know Your Rights uh, campaign, as well as Hot 97 and Code Black, is that uh, we feel that uh, if the law enforcement officer involved in the killing uh, or violating somebody's rights after they had complied, and this would trigger to where qualified immunity is disqualified. Say, for instance, uh, we heard George Floyd say mama. To an average person on the street, that's tapping out. Yeah. Most of us would have let him go. For sure. Worst enemy. So when that occurs and he tap out and you continue to violate his rights and it occur after that, after everybody can clearly see that, hey, let him go now, handcuff him, it's over. And they do that and he die. Now qualified immunity should be disqualified and the standard of proof changes to where there could be a preponderance of evidence and make it retroactive because of the David Chobines that had prior 17 uh, inquiries until he ended up uh, uh, taking the life of George Floyd, there's still those type of officers that's from the old regime. Mm -hmm. So why not do it like you did me and make it retroactive? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now we got a two-strikes law that's retroactive, so if they bust get in trouble again, now they can't hit the circuit and go and sign at another police station and hit the circuit and leave yeah. the They're permanently disqualified, but also here's another kicker. If there's any settlement or judgment, where you took somebody's life or had to pay that they be liable. Not only the police that committed it, but also the prison guard union and those that are oversights that are responsible for uh, paying for this, that they be charged. And though we think those are some of the areas that could really save a person's life. And that's why we feel com you're gonna have to have a choice to comply or deny. And then we want you to complain. Comply and complain. And then like we're starting this program in, uh, in Hollis Queen, uh, where we have a, uh, a sheet where you can file your complaint. Uh, I'm out here doing a case for a kid that has a double murder where they said he uh, uh, had a blunt that killed his grandfather and another person that's going to be high profile. I also consult a uh, Lil D's uh, daddy that's recently been arrested for the uh, Jam Master J mm -hmm. uh, murder. I talked to his dad, Big D, and uh, and, and, you, and you're doing you're, you're like how are you supporting them? How is it you're in the conversation? Uh, okay, go ahead. Not go ahead. No, go ahead. Continue. No, what happens is a lot of parents do not know the procedures when their child is in custody and actually doesn't know their rights. Yeah. And just go back to Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights uh, organization. Yeah. It's very important that you listen to some of the things they have because a lot of times you'll go in there as a first-termer and you don't know your rights, which could end up having your life taken. So they'll call me and ask me uh, uh, and describe the situation, and I'll do the investigation with due diligence. And if I think uh, uh, there's a way that I can give them some relief or that it has merit, I continue on and continue deeper, digging deeper. That is uh, one of the reasons I'm out here in New York now, on my dime. I don't have no money. I don't get paid for doing that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but when you say dig deeper, you're, you're doing the law, re the legal research. Yeah. Okay. And then I research what they're doing, like I'm in New York, and I go and look at their case and read their document, and then I research New York law, which could apply to them. Uh, like, for instance, the young man might call and say, uh, you know, I've never been in nothing like this. It's been a year. It feels like I want to kill myself. Uh, I can't think. And I say something like, and this just happened the other day. And I might say, young man, your mama out here hurting. You ain't going to get life because they're offering you a deal. I say, one of the problems is, I don't inmate is a dangerous inmate. He said, what you mean, huh? I said, you're thinking too much. Mm. Looking out that window. You ain't outside no more, kid. You need to 
get into some type of study, whether it's going to library, doing crossword puzzles, or whatever, but keep your mind steady, I say, but more importantly, you ain't no slave. You hold your head up high for your mama, because if she see you crying, she don't hurt. Mm. I say, you got to keep your head up. You ain't no slave, you a man. You'll be all right whenever you need to call, call. And he called and told his mother, but he already had told her, I like talking to Mel, because she don't let other people. And he called me. So these are the type of things I do. And how are people plugging in with you? Somebody's watching right now, and they're, they're coming into a situation like that, and they want to reach out to you to get your help. How how do they get in contact? Can they get in contact with you? Yeah. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook, uh, Melvin Farmer, uh, Hidden Corner, 7753 on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, up under Melvin Farmer, Hidden Corner. Uh, uh, I'm on social media where you can Google me. You can email, you can get with my uh, 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 manager, uh, Tim Tareen, or you can call when you have a complaint where we can put it on file. Call Cold Black Coalition in Hollis, uh, uh, Queens, mm -hmm. and that's one of the areas where I guarantee you, you're going to get it looked over, and we're going to start creating an opportunity to where when police do violate your rights, or anybody violates your rights. It doesn't necessarily have to be the police. It could be a bully. Mm -hmm. You need mentoring. Because I also work with Credible Messenger, where we deal with the most challenged... Tell us about Credible Messenger. Credible Messenger is an organization uh, exclusive that mentors... Uh, and uh, restorative justice and reading my find in the community. Uh, some of these members are King Tone uh, from the Latin Kings, uh, 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 Clinton Lacey that used to be the head of the juvenile uh, probation department here in New York and I think also worked at Rutgers Island. Uh, you had Fred Hampton, Chairman Fred Hampton out of Chicago, uh, Triple C's, uh, Black Panthers, uh, you got Sean Alexander from the Philadelphia Black Mob that works in uh, uh, Cincinnati, no, Columbus, Ohio, which is the hotbed and the bellwether state for whoever win the election. Whoever win that election, uh, that state, you uh, usually win uh, the presidency. So he's Mr. Stop the Violence. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have Antonio Testra from the Luciano uh, Gambino crime family here in New York. Uh, he's a member. And we have uh, uh, Ayatollah Marvin from Compton, Piru, uh, that was also uh, with uh, uh, Suge Knight when uh, uh, Terry Carter was killed for which Suge Knight is in, along that's with uh, the brother-in-law and the uncles and relatives of Larry Hoover uh, up under Grove and Development in Atlanta. So we deal with uh, those that are most challenged uh, community influencers, as well as youth that others give up on. Uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., up under the mayor there, uh, they work in the juvenile justice system, uh, DYRDS. Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services because in the federal system and juvenile system in Washington, D.C., the youths are chipped, mm -hmm. chipped out of state because they're federal uh, prisoners at $500,000 a head. And uh, when I first got uh, with this organization in 2016, uh, everybody that was pretty much in the juvenile justice system were uh, brown or black. Mm. Uh, used and uh, uh, we got it out to where now they're in transitional facilities if we could get them there and the uh, incarceration rate has pretty drastically uh, disappeared. I think the Credible Messengers program is a, is, is a great thing because I mean in, in the title itself it puts together a bunch of people who are credible like to, to the streets you guys are like uh, gladiators, you know what I mean. So the uh, the idea that what what you say, your word, holds so much value, you know what I mean. Like the things that you say holds a lot of weight. What would you say to the people who you know from, from the neighborhood that feel like, yo, some of these things that these people are talking about are shining a light on a part of the neighborhood that normally the code would tell you like these things should be kept in secret. How do you do? You think that uh, uh, 
with all the conversations being had about things of old in order to support the movement and change, do you think these things are productive or do you think uh, some things need to be left in the past? Just the conversations uh, across YouTube right now, having from people, uh, from the credible messages that you named, there's a lot of conversations on YouTube where people are are talking about um, war stories from the past about things they've done. And some people are saying that uh, the conversations, while they're putting down a great message and trying to help the community, in doing that, they're also talking about things of of old that's drawn drawn up old wounds. uh, And uh, in other words, they're talking negativity. Correct. Correct. For sure. We have an understanding of, uh, of what we're talking about. Uh, very seldom do you hear me talking about myself because I don't. Mm-hmm. When I talk, I give you a little chase, but everything I'm talking about, I'm not talking. We have direct action where we're not marching. Uh, I bring awareness to it. Uh, I try to help children, uh, and I'm going to continue to do it. So I don't get into telling and bragging about I'm the first, because if you're really from that era, what's understood don't need to be said on certain levels. Mm. And a lot of times, it's fashionable to where everybody now, with this social media, they want that one shot at being famous uh, or being caught. But my theory is this, the only thing good about yesterday is are they over. Mm. up here and talk about police killing and uh, this and that and not address the behavior of communities that are taking other people out. I can name 40 some murders that I know about in 30 some days and now when I'm involved with police. Mm. But then somebody will go and talk about a murder that happened almost in Gilligan Island and forget about the, what about the mama that's crying where you walked over this one. So who speaks for them? Yeah. No more definite call to me. I don't need to talk about the police killing. They got enough people doing that. Yeah. Am I correct? Correct. Yeah. So I handled the hard job where your ass could get knocked down out here if you did when it happened. Like I say, if you ain't ready to take the bullet and you're really not closest to the problem, a lot of times you have people that are talking uh, that aren't even part of the problem. And speaking on issues where they're not even in that community to even know what's going on. For sure, and yeah. that's not how they go. The community <clears throat> streets need to have a voice in the decisions on what's going on in America. Because a lot of times, it's going to be him who's going to make the final uh, 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 push uh, uh, in this election, whether it be Democratic or Republican, because that's a section of voters that Democrats or Republicans had a year of. They're not reaching them. No. They're not. You can feel the vibe. Most of these kids don't know what a civil rights movement is. At no 13 and 14, you think they want to hear something about some taxes? No, yeah. And that's who they can't get. You have to get those 18-year-olds and right up in that level. But how are you going to talk to them about some taxes I can't even understand taxes because I ain't never had a job. Mm. So it's no concern to me. Yeah. Gas prices, no concern to me. When you're out here hustling and trying to survive. It's a different kind of economy. It's a different type of economy. Yeah. And it's a different type of survival. Yeah. Survival or the fittest. That's why I think like the Credible Messages program is great because like you got to speak the language. Some dudes come in in situations and not from there. And they're looking at it from the outside in and trying to like impose what they believe you should be doing. But unless you were raised and grown up in it, it's really something you shouldn't, shouldn't be speaking on. <laughs> if, if you don't come from that part of the neighborhood, you shouldn't and be speaking about it. True. That'll be no more different than, uh, and I tell them all the time, the streets and this Crip bloods and these community influencers, not only Crips and bloods, 
But once again, community influence all across the world, growth and development, uh, GDs, Gangster Disciple, Vice Lords, whatever, uh, MS, uh, any of community influences that are street orientated. Everybody has an opinion mm. about what they should do when it comes to them. Yeah. Where they words don't mean nothing. But then you don't hear nobody that's involved in this ever come trying to say, uh, hey man, you're holding that camera wrong. I can show you how to hold that camera right or show you how to do this or show you how to cook better than that because that's not our area. That's not my area. Yeah. There's no way I would debate you about anything that I've never experienced. Yeah. Particularly when it could cost you your life and you end up dead in this game when you make a mistake. So you don't mm. get to come back. It wouldn't make sense anybody anywhere else, but people people feel like, I guess, for clout chasing... Because it's cool right now. Everybody's having a conversation. No, it's, it, it gives you that title of you that, that, that dude. You, you tough. You, you that man. Everybody wants to be a killer. Nobody want to go to jail. Yeah. No, there ain't so much going to jail. It's just a culture now to where cripping is a, 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 a status symbol. Mm. It's fashionable. But that's the soft side of it that most people see. The rapping, the acting, the taking church where you got uh, uh, this kind of killer, this killer here, this killer here. When all you're doing is taking a picture right there. You ain't going out in the street walking around like you doing all that shit. Yeah. But on, on this, so that's acting, rapping, and entertainment. I ain't saying that's the soft side because a lot of them, the OG ones, they usually live that life. But a lot of the new ones, they ain't live that life, then get up in there and cloud chase and get them to surround them by being reputable and uh, 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 claiming crip blood or whatever, and it gives them that protection and that security. And them are usually the ones that get knocked down to where you're trying to emulate the streets off your music and yeah. find out. This is a whole different ball game, the hardest side. They don't know the rules. They don't know, yeah. And the rules are they are none. No. Nah. And that's where when something happened, oh, that wasn't fair. <laughs> that's a fact. But yeah. there are no rules. Yeah, there's no, there's no body. I, yeah, for sure. But, yo, before, before, we, before we go in, I want to spend the last few minutes really just, like, letting you talk about... Um, Melvin Farmer, like what, what the future looks like. I want to, you know, spend some time talking about projects that you have going on right now. The book is out, so you guys need to go on Amazon. Um, is buy, buying a book supports you directly? Uh, or, yeah, buying the books directly, black on, or you can call area code 323-750-3592. That's Milligan Books, uh, Express Yourself Bookstore. Or if you have any problems or anything, uh, uh, where you having a problem, where you need some mentorship with your child, legal advice, or anything of that nature, you can personally call me at 909-368-1296, uh, and we can go like that. Or see me on Instagram, uh, uh, DM me, or however you want to do it. See, I, and I love the fact that like a lot of people aren't as serious about the help. Like, they won't give out the information. It's really like smoke and mirrors, but you out here like, yo, call me. If you need a problem, if you need help, Reach out. I'm here for you. Um, is the do you have uh, outside of the book? Do you see yourself writing another book? What's the future look like? Well, actually, uh, a manager in a, a publishing company with a guy out here. We are talking about uh, uh, publishing a book uh, about my life called the Melvin Former Story. But we have several projects that are in the works where uh, my manager and One Brick Entertainment is working on, and one of them is. Uh, before we blew, uh, which was a, a special edition, the 50th anniversary of the Crips, which just passed by, uh, where we have photographs, uh, interviews, uh, audio, video, print of the 50-year history of the Crips. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have another one on helping with Freeway Rick, which is the uh, uh, world epidemic uh, addressing senseless gun violence, this is going to be a, a, a very hot, dope, dope, dope uh, documentary uh, because
what was the name again for people that didn't catch it? Platinum Plus. Okay. Uh, uh, entertainment is producing this. I'm glad I got that for you, uh, Terry. Took a minute though with that selective amnesia, <laughs> so we can move right along. Okay. And then, and what? But personally, for you, like, what? What's? I mean, you talk about a lot about your your projects, but what? What's the future look like? Um, well, I've just been a certified credible messenger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, uh, one of the issues is we're trying to I'm fit a run for uh, elected official. Okay. I think I'm going to run for city council. Excellent. But one of the problems is uh, uh, I'm on parole from an 80 year sentence in Georgia where I don't get off parole till 2030. And we discovered that I can't run under parole, but because there's nowhere for somebody to get redressed. From all these organizations that you see talking about police brutality and they represent the blacks, all those same organizations, I filed a complaint about my own attorney destroying a tape to uh, that would have exonerated me to where I received uh, a life sentence after the police shot at me. I'm a survivor of uh, police brutality to where they shot at me with my hands up. But I guess if I'd have got killed and the tape would have came out, I'd have been a matriarch. But now that I'm trying to get my day in court, I have nowhere to go. And, and so therefore, when you talk about how I feel about me being and others that are in my predicament where our rights are, uh, civil rights are violated, and we don't get our day, I'm not. We need to know who has more rights in America, a black man, a person, or an animal. You should do an animal. You'll take my life in the criminal justice system. You tried it twice. I didn't cry. I got in there, kept my faith, mm. and I won. But now my rights are being violated. I'm still being adversely affected. I'm on a 50-mile radius. I got the report. And don't been shot at. Ain't had a sleepless night where I slept all the way through since 2010. But where do I go? You tell me. Well, I can say my own attorney destroyed a tape and I caught him and now I'm on. Why I ain't in court? Why I'm on parole? Why I can't run for elected official? And that's what Code Black is different than all the organizations in this nation. Mm. When we get a complaint, we act on it. So we're acting on this and we'll get around to it and therefore, uh, that's what we're trying to build, but also it's important that this could be a prototype for cities across America where Obama call them pockets of poverty, that's what he said, or Trump they call them rat-infested Baltimore. Uh, he's still talking about basically the communities where you stayed, you just in Hollis. Yeah, but yeah. I'm in L.A. It's talking about Hampton in Chicago. Talking about but, but they're talking about us. Yes. Yeah. The down and out. Those mm. that are adversely affected about the very issues that they're just shouting about. Mm. Mm. So those are some of the things we're doing. And I'm out here with Cold Black Coalition, Incredible Messengers. We are writing initiatives. We have a Melvin Former bill coming out. We have Pat Robinson uh, that's uh, economical development. We're covering all three areas to where we think uh, it starts here and it can be a prototype for all the communities to get the resources and things that need to be done. Power of the internet is strong. So I'm going to speak into existence that you uh, you deserve employment. You deserve to be compensated for the work that you're doing. And uh, I'm hoping that 2020, 2021, that compensation comes soon and large. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you should be compensated. So, go ahead. And uh, 
lot of times I like to, a lot of times they ask me, uh, uh, Melvin, in your life, since you've been arrested uh, 50, 60 times, uh, 30 years in prison, two life sentences, uh, at the end of the day, and by the way, I've never been arrested for hurting a black, so we don't get me mixed up with the others. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, Melvin, uh, what's the one thing you regret? Uh, all this you see. And what I learned was the number one mistake I feel I made, and a lot of my buddies that did 35, 40 years in jail or arrest, uh, we didn't listen to our mothers and fathers. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. They whole ideology changed to where my mother's limbs was pure. So that era of parents, they didn't recognize what they were seeing because it hadn't never and existed. Mm. So I learned. So all 99.9 of the parents back then were two households, two parents, two jobs. And if you'd have listened to them, you would have uh, probably came out better than uh, being a Those are, those are great thoughts you leave us with. Mr. Melvin Farmer, thank you for your visit this week. I conceded nobody. It's been a pleasure. Um, do you have any, any final thoughts, anything you want to say to people before you get out of here? Don't you guys don't forget also support his book, The New Slave Shit. You guys go pick it up, buy it, buy it twice, buy it for a family member. It's Melvin Farmer, conceded nobody. 
We out. You guys want to take a picture again? Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Just changed. Let me just change my life. That was great. That was awesome. How you feel about it? I don't even need no one, but I don't see it. I'm just off the top. I feel you turn great. off the 86. I, I feel great. You gave some great answers, some great questions. I wanted to make sure we talked about your book. You know what I mean? So folks can, you know, go out and pick it up. Yeah. yeah.